This episode is brought to you by Sax.com. At Sax.com, it's easy to find your new vibe. Dive into the Western trend with gold cowboy boots from Stott. Or go full 90s throwback with platforms from Prada. You can shop for everything on your agenda. Whether it's a breezy Zimmerman dress for garden party or a bright Chloe blazer for brunch. Find inspiration for your new vibe. Every day at Saks.com. The following program contains mature subject matter. Viewer discretion is advised. In a doctor's exclusive, Jana Kramer is still battling some deep personal lows. I know other women have gone through this pain, so I want to share that I'm feeling it too, and we're not alone. Women don't talk about it. People suffer in silence. Then, please welcome the fitness marshal. Woo! This is my dream. I'm Britney Spears and Richard Simmons at the same time. Plus, fitness trackers could also be helping people track their drug use. That's today. Welcome everyone to the show, Fitness Trackers. Great way to keep track of your steps and also keep an eye on your heart rate while you're working out. But according to a troubling online forum, they could also be helping people track something very different, their drug use. Get this, one Reddit user explained how he used his fitness tracker to monitor his heart rate during cocaine use. Even posted his heart rate graph in the thread. Another user wrote, drugs are basically the only reason I wear a fitness tracker. Then went on to say, I want an early warning system for when my heart's going to explode. There's even a YouTube channel with over a half a million subscribers, guides people how to use illicit drugs safely. And you know, this this is one of those you, you don't use illicit drugs safely. You can't. No, that, yeah. that's an oxymoron. I mean, we know that, that there have been many, many cases of young people using cocaine or other stimulants, not knowing that they had some sort of congenital heart Absolutely. issue, and yeah. boom, that well, the, was their demise. You know, I do want to bring into the conversation cardiologist Dr. Jacqueline Yubani. You know, th- this is scary to me because even if, let's say you're taking cocaine and you have the perfect fitness tracker and it tells you exactly where your heart rate's going, I'm sorry, but if your heart rate starts spiking, what are you gonna do about it? If you're, like, that's what kills me here is this whole concept that you're tracking your heart rate in a healthy way from doing drugs. Talk to us about that. Yeah, so it, this, it's a very complex issue, really. Because you know, in both situations, you know, when you exercise, your heart rate goes up and when you take you know, drugs, your heart rate goes up. But the, the physiology of both of them are, are very different that makes it beneficial in one situation and detrimental in the second situation. So for instance, when you exercise, your heart rate goes up and your oxygen demand goes up. So all your organ system want, they want more oxygen so that you can continue exercising. So your body compensates for this by dilating the blood vessels. So your blood vessels get bigger, you get more blood flowing and more oxygen. So you have this balance between oxygen demand and oxygen supply, which is beneficial. On the other hand, when you use stimulants like cocaine, it causes a a surge in the adrenaline system, and this causes rapid rise in blood pressure. And also, your heart rate does go up, and you do have an increase in oxygen demand. But cocaine causes your blood vessels to constrict or get smaller, so you're not getting enough 
blood and oxygen to your body. So you have this mismatch where you ha need more oxygen and you're not getting that. So that plus other deadly effects of cocaine contribute to all of the side effects that we see uh, as a result of stimulant use. Dr. Boni, isn't it also not just your heart rate, but your rhythm absolutely. that's affected by these medications and that's what's so da dangerous? I, yes, absolutely. So it's not just the number, but the rhythm that you're in. Because, you know, we have two kinds of rhythms. You have benign, non-life-threatening, fast heart rhythms, and then you have deadly, fast rhythms, like, you know, the ventricular fibrillations and the ventricular tachycardias, where you drop dead suddenly and mm -hmm. unexpectedly. When you're, when you're exercising, you're more likely to be in, to have the benign, fast heart rhythms, and, you know, you have a balance in your oxygen supply and demand and everything is good, but when you're using stimulants, you know, you're more likely to have the malignant, deadly, rhythms where you can drop dead suddenly unexpectedly, unpredictably. So the, you know, these devices cannot tell you which rhythm you're well, in. Well, and the short-term risk is obviously then death. And what bothers me as the ER doc here is that let's just say you are tracking and all of a sudden you notice that your heart rate is spiking, you're not feeling good, and this fast rhythm, your monitor's not gonna tell you if it's a bad rhythm, and you drop dead. Well, Got so the fitness tracker on there. Great, you tracked your heart rate while you died. Right. I, I mean, I'm not trying to make light of it, but that's to me, that is where the stupidity comes into well, play. Well, the very, the very false, false sense, sense of, security. of security. Exactly. Because when you read this forum, the way the threads go is that, oh, I track my heart rate, and when it's too high, then if it's my turn I to take, take a line, a yeah, I, I don't take a hit. I skip my turn. And, and so they feel like they're somehow in control of the situation, but well, it's, it's, it's really scary. Short-term risk, obviously, is heart attack, death with these stimulants. What about long-term risks as well? So the long-term risk, we know that stimulants, especially cocaine, can cause damage to your heart tissue itself. So you go into what we call congestive heart failure. And we find that this, you know, you can have congestive heart failure many, many years after you actually quit using drugs, and it can lead to death many years after using drugs. So that's something to watch uh, out for. Physical and mental dependency as well? Absolutely. In your field of cardiology, I'm curious if you, during your training, have you had people come to you with long-term issues from, we'll just say cocaine use? Absolutely, so I'm, a, I'm an electrophysiologist, a heart rhythm specialist, so I put in defibrillators in patients. So I have quite a few patients that I've had to put in a defibrillator who have had congestive heart failure as a result of drug use in the past. So wow. this may even apply more to some this is a reason not to. In fact, I've been shocked by how cavalier well, that well, people are with their YouTube use of it. Well, if you look at this YouTube channel, this YouTube channel that comes out of the Netherlands, it's these three young people. It has over 700,000 followers where they will use illicit drugs and they'll take whatever drug you suggest in the comments and do that once a week. And then they try to track the science and the physiology of it. And it's astounding because it totally makes light of the fact of how dangerous these drugs are. And it's, it's more of just like a fun party thing to do. Let's oh, yeah. try to legitimize it. I will say this. If you do use a stimulant illicitly and you develop the symptoms of a heart attack, please go immediately to the ER because the reality is this is something that you do see in the emergency department. It, please, there will be no judgments. Get yourself to the ER because, in fact, you can suffer a heart attack from use of these drugs as well. Dr. Yuvani, I want to thank you so much for lending your expertise you and the care you provide your patients. We'll be right back. Coming up, we all know the importance of protecting your skin from the sun. 
But when it comes to protecting your children, what's so different about baby versus adult sunscreen? Then, if you could take a test, find out how long you would live, help you determine when you might die, would you? That's coming up. Coming tomorrow, the daily task this mother is doing that could be putting her kid's life at risk. It's kind of like bullying her at home. Are you doing it too? Then, is the answer to stopping pill popping in pro sports marijuana? You're experiencing arthritis on the levels of 70, 80 year olds. Plus, Emily Blunt swears by it as a cold cure. But is it a buzz or a bust? Just one drop. Yeah. You're not gonna get sick all year. And it's one ultra scary ultrasound. That's tomorrow, and then on Monday, your father. Our TV show became a success. Going through cancer, I went through a very public divorce. Tarek from Flipper Flop was opening up about his latest health struggle. I was really sick. I looked like a cadaver. Plus, can the flu virus live on a toilet? That's Monday. This episode is brought to you by Sax.com. At Sax.com, it's easy to find your new vibe. Dive into the Western trend with gold cowboy boots from Stott. Or go full 90s throwback with platforms from Prada. You can shop for everything on your agenda. Whether it's a breezy Zimmerman dress for a garden party or a bright Chloe blazer for brunch. Find inspiration for your new vibe. Every day at Saks.com. Skin cancer by far the most common of all cancers as you often tell us. We all know the importance of protecting your skin from the sun. But when it comes to protecting your children, what's so different about baby versus adult sunscreens? Have a look. With one in five Americans developing skin cancer in their lifetime, protection from harmful UV rays is so important. And when it comes to protecting children from the sun, many opt for gentler versions of sunscreen labeled specifically for kids or babies. But what makes baby sunscreen gentler? According to a new study done by the Clean Label Project, nothing. The organization examined 95 of the best-selling sunscreens and sunblocks and found no significant difference between baby, kid, and adult versions of sunscreen. But when it comes to toxins, they did find something unsettling in many bottles of block, lead. Five of the tested brands had enough lead in a dime-sized amount to exceed California's mandated safety levels. So what's the best way to protect yourself from the sun? And is baby sunscreen just clever marketing? Join us now to shed some light on the study is executive director of the Clean Label Project, Jackie Bowen. Welcome, Jackie. Welcome. Jackie, we all want to do what's best for babies. What did you find? Is, is there a difference out there between the safety of the baby sunscreens versus adult ones? So the short answer is no, there's no difference. Clean Label Project tested the top 95 products, tested them for things like heavy metals efficacy, um, antioxidant activity, sulfites, and what we found is no difference between baby and adult sunscreens. Is it so mainly just marketing? Well, that's what, we, that's what it looks like based on just the differences and that's what the science suggests. Marketing departments can do a pretty effective job at selling comfort and security. For us, it's about looking at the science of what's inside. Yeah, and I, and I think it's important to point out the FDA actually doesn't regulate whether or not something is labeled for babies or even if something is labeled as hypoallergenic. They don't really, there's no true definition of those terms that we all see slapped on labels of sunscreen products. But I thought what was really interesting also about your project was this, this revelation about the lead content of sunscreens, which 
for adults, I'm not super concerned about because it, it doesn't necessarily get absorbed through your skin, but when you're talking about kids and babies where they may be sucking on their hands and they may be ingesting that sunscreen, that lead content is actually really relevant. Absolutely, to your point, it doesn't really matter for adults about the lead absorption in the skin, it's just think about it, show me a, a baby or child that doesn't put their fingers or toes in their mouth, and with reapplying sunscreen every two hours, that ingestion potential is something to be concerned about. Any difference if you buy an organic sunscreen? We actually found that organic sunscreens had on average three times as much lead as non-organic. Wow. Yeah, that was actually one of the most striking outcomes of this study. And I think the other really interesting thing is that there is a difference between chemical and mineral block sunscreens that people often don't realize when they're looking at the label for broad spectrum sunscreen. I think you found that two of the worst endocrine disruptors, which are ox octanoxate and oxybenzone, were in 50% of the chemical sunscreens you tested. Yes, that's absolutely correct. Uh, oxybenzone and octanoxate have recently been banned actually in the state of Hawaii because of environmental potential hazards. Um, but also to your point, they are known endocrine disruptors as well, widely used in uh, really popular sunscreens in the market here in America. But, but I'd like to point out what she said, they have been banned in Hawaii. So if something is dangerous and killing coral, and, and that's why it's banned in the state of Hawaii, it really isn't something that we should be putting on our kids. So you're a consumer, we need to protect ourselves from skin cancer, what do we do now? Because you have me scared, we have parents scared. I mean, to err on the safe side, you know, wearing these, this protective clothing, and you're seeing great more option. and more of it. You see it more athletes, golfers, for example. Are, but you are still are gonna need sunscreen for, even if you do yes. protective clothing, and make sure it's a legitimate UPF protection fabric, but you still need sunscreen on your ears and your face and your hands and your, your legs. Well, to your, and your point, scalp. we don't, we don't, so the point of this discussion is not to scare people off sunscreen. So sunscreen is really necessary, as you said, because right. even if you wear a hat and sun protective clothing and you avoid peak hours of UV exposure between 10 a.m. and 2 p.m., you're still going to get sunscreen. some sun and hopefully you're out there enjoying your life. So how, Jackie, how do you recommend people determine if the product they're considering is safe? Well, let's say a few things. Our findings did show that consistent with the American Academy of Dermatology, SPF greater than 30 SPF, broad spectrum, and waterproof is always important. Of course, work with your family practitioner or dermatologist to determine what's the best fit. And um, overall, you can check out our website at cleanlabelproject.org as well. And before we go, sprays have become so ubiquitous. Mm -hmm. I mean, there's yeah. just as many spray cans out there as there are the lotions. Mm -hmm. what, is there a difference in your study? And then I'm gonna ask you as a dermatologist, is one better than the other? It was interesting when we did our study looking at efficacy, you did see with the sprays more of like the clumping and the spotting because people just use the spray as a spray. But with lotion, you get more of a uniform application. So we did see that as well, just this with the lotions, it's just get much broader of application okay. covering the skin. And the sprays are also much higher in sulfates as well. Yes. So that's that's another aspect. Doggone it. So I like the sprays. Likes They're the easy. But, but you don't put on enough. And then I, so, uh, so remember, one ounce of sunscreen per exposed area of skin, that's a lot. So most people are not putting that spray enough. on enough. And if you spray, I guess you should probably make sure it's evenly so, distributed. Yeah. It's an aerosol plus, that you plus may... Plus for kids. You, yeah, you don't, you don't want, want them it. breathing it in. You don't want to breathe it in. Yeah. We really appreciate the work Thank that you. you're doing. And certainly we'll have more information on our website, thedoctorstv.com. We'll be right back. Coming up.
If you could take a test to find out how long you would live, help you determine when you might die, would you? Then... Don't think of just not splurging cold turkey. It's unrealistic. Think of a financial diet a lot like you'd think about a regular diet. That's coming up. Coming tomorrow. The daily task this mother is doing that could be putting her kid's life at risk. It's kind of like bullying her at home. Are you doing it too? And it's one ultra scary ultrasound. That's tomorrow. So I'm going to offer out a question. If you could take a test to find out how long you would live, help you determine when you might die, would you? Life is short, as the saying goes, but would you want to know exactly how short it is? According to scientists at Yale University, you may be able to know the answer with a blood test. The test measures what the scientists call a person's phenotypic age, which if higher than your real chronological age, could suggest shorter life expectancy. Unlike previous studies to calculate a person's life expectancy, these scientists use nine different biomarkers in your blood to make their assessments. So would you take a test that might tell you when you'll die? We asked our viewers if you would take a blood test that might predict when you'll die. 61% said you would. I, I got the sense in the audience that we were split down the middle in terms of people who would yep. want to know versus wouldn't want to know. Would you? No. Nope. You would? Would you? I'm a yes. I know what you, you are. Dr. Batra? I'm a complete yes. Yeah, I love information. In fact, I sent in my blood test. So the interesting thing about this particular test is that it's not, there have been prior studies on, or kind of at-home tests for telomeres and epigenetics, which are more genetic basis of right. aging to predict how old your cells or your DNA looks, per se. But this one is kind of interesting because it's nine markers from blood tests that you would typically get done at your doctor's office, like glucose or creatinine or albumin levels. And those are things that you can actually monitor so let's say you get a result on this test, and I actually have no idea what my results are, and I'm a little scared, but these are things that if maybe you don't get the most favorable result, you can actually take control and make some changes. I do have Dr. Batra's results right here. And do we, do we you know, get what would I, I don't even know how old you are. I you mean, you have old? great no. genes, you take care of yourself, you're fit, you exercise. I mean, look at you. I, I are, we allowed, uh, are you allowed to share that with of us? Course. You, how old are you? So, so here's the thing, I'm 44. And when I took these blood tests, I actually gave myself a mental out in case I got bad news today. Because when these blood tests were done, it was actually quite early in my involvement with the show. And I feel like since I've been helping with the doctor's show, they may in fact my be habits have improved so much. There's so much I've learned well, and I've changed. So I will give myself that, that little asterisk that hopefully my age is even well, better it's now. it's all good news. But that okay. being said, I think that your report card should be better all right. But it's pretty good. All right, phenotypic age, 42.5 years. So, so yeah. that is younger, younger than your age. Where does that put you? Your ranking is 84%. So that means that your phenotypic age is better than 84% of the population. Why are you talking? Well, that's Wait, not no, bad. No, 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 no. She is so bad. She is not okay unless she's 99% I know, she's better. So, 99 the, next year, so well. the next year, you, we'll redo this, right? We because have to redo this. You're, I know you. And over the next year, you're going to do everything possible. And what we should do is a year from now, we, we should, should retake this test. Yeah. 
and I am willing to bet anyone in this audience, anyone watching home, she will have reached the 99th percentile. <laughs> Couple more numbers here, median life expectancy, oh. 83 and a half years. Okay. I That's wanted, the part I, I don't like. No, about I don't like that. that. Yeah, but it's good like to know. No, you know, like, uh, you're going like to do so much better than I, that. So yeah. I, and your 10-year mortality risk, 3.4%. So very Not low. That, yeah. That's very, very good. If you take a test like this, and Dr. Batra, maybe you would agree or disagree, but I, I think you have to take it with a grain of salt because you take a test like this and they're going to start saying things like, your expected rate of survival will be age 72. The problem if you take that too seriously is you might start living your life in a way, be healthier, absolutely. But then let's say you reach age 71. In the back of your mind, like, well, this is my last year. <laughs> <laughs> Be very so, careful yeah. with that. So, so that don't, so don't view mind. it as your, as your destiny or your fate. Think of it as a, as a call to action. And you have... That's what I will. Yeah. You've got 38 years left. Yes. You have a lot more than that. It's going to be more that. than that. It absolutely will. Stick around. Coming up... Don't think of just not splurging cold turkey. It's unrealistic. Think of a financial diet a lot like you think about a regular diet. Then... You're just brushing off all your haters. That's coming up. Closed captioning provided by... The first page of a book never tells the full story. And those news alerts and headlines, like the ones we get on our phones, don't even scratch the surface of what the story is really all about. Stories are like people, multi-layered and complex. It takes some digging to find the truth, but when we find it, it can change our world. We like to dig. The news on Merritt Street. Essential television. Forty-two percent of Americans have less than ten thousand dollars saved for retirement. Yet, according to a new study, they spend an average of one hundred and forty-three thousand two hundred eighty bucks. So over 143,000 over 60 years simply treating themselves. Now, according to the study, the average American spends almost $200 a month on non-essentials. These are material items that they don't really need, treats, maybe luxury experiences, which is fine. Mm -hmm. But this study basically didn't align with people saving for retirement. So it was maybe spending a little too much on self-care things and maybe not putting enough in Well, you have to account. splurge sometimes. Well, well, I think that's the idea, is that you do need to splurge sometimes. But according to this study, under 25, people under the age of 25 were using one-third of their income on these luxury items. I think this is where we all agree, is you can actually treat yourself, but also balance it with saving for the future. And here with some tips on how to do just that as financial expert, New York Times bestselling author of Rich Bitch, a simple 12-step plan to your that. financial life together. <laughs> Finally, Nicole Lappin. Thank you. <laughs> so, Nicole, I know you have some great principles and tricks about when to splurge and when not to. Can you share? Yeah, so don't think of just not splurging cold turkey. It's unrealistic. Think of a financial diet a lot like you'd think about a regular diet, right? If you allow yourself small indulgences, you won't end up binging later on. So you have to allow yourself the equivalent of a financial Hershey's kiss so you don't end up in the middle of the night noshing on a big old hunk of chocolate cake because you're so hungry and so deprived. Think of a spending plan in the same way 
as you would think about an eating plan, something that is sustainable. So I break down your spending plan into the three E's. I love alliteration, so essentials, end game, and extras. The essentials should account for about 70% of what you're spending every month, so your housing, your transportation, your food, and then 15% should go to the future you. So the retirement, the savings, whatever you're saving up for, and then no more than 15% should go to the extras. So whatever does it for you, I'm not gonna tell you how to have fun. If you want your morning latte, I'm probably the only financial expert that's gonna say, buy your morning latte. Like, just do it. Do the mani-pedi, the yoga class, whatever does it for you. Because if you're not treating yourself, you're not stoked about staying on track, and that's really what's gonna keep you going. So as long as it's less than 15% or that's within right. that 15% guideline, you'd say whatever is your splurge, yeah. it's probably just Travel, okay. whatever you want. You had also a principle of kind of weighing out your per use fee and whether or not a splurge is worth it. Can you explain? Yeah, so the study shows that a lot of people are guilty about buying something material. I get it. Uh, experiential things are way more in these days. I'm all about having that great experience for yourself. But think about that material splurge as a cost per use. So if you're buying a blazer and it's 200 bucks, but you're gonna wear it twice a week, uh, factoring, of course, alterations and dry cleaning and all that, that's probably two bucks a wear. If it's a ball gown, then it might be like $500 a wear, and that's maybe not worth it. But investing yourself is probably one of the best investments that you can make. We often think in our careers, I'll be happy when I get there, or I'll be happy when I make X amount of money. But that equation is wrong. The happier you are, the more successful you are. So oftentimes, spending a little bit more on yourself will make you more in the I long run. I think, Nicole, you, you need to reward yourself occasionally, so don't feel bad about taking that vacation. I mean, within reason, make sure it's a vacation that does fit your budget. Likewise, don't feel guilty if you have that special night out, a special dinner, a nice bottle of wine. Occasionally. Absolutely. And also, if you did that every night, it would get boring. So. It would be. It wouldn't be special. And the thing I would add to that <clears throat> that I've given a lot of thought to where a show called The Doctors is, if you're spending money on your health and maybe it's, you know, maybe you've budgeted a certain amount of money for food, and instead of buying the $200 shirt you may wear one time, if you, you know, spend a little bit more money on food that's gonna help you be healthier and help you be happier, because that's the one place I will say a lot of people, they'll, oh, I, 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 never, I never buy good things that are yeah. healthy for me. I think splurging on a massage, that awesome. could be okay, right? <laughs> I'm in. Yeah. I think with your latte, little massage, <laughs> exactly. latte That's massage, or like Perfect. if you need the help of maybe a trainer or an exercise Absolutely. class, I mean, things that maybe splurges on, well, on your well health. Being, and well being, I think, is money well really, yeah. yeah. And and I always say on this show, think about purchases like if you're going to buy a mattress and you spend fifty dollars more, and you're going to sleep better for eight hours a night, a third of your life, probably worth the fifty bucks. I love your perspective Thank on this. You. Your oh, time really is good. money. I mean, spend everything wisely, but especially your time. Now, the book is called Rich Bitch, right? Are men allowed to read it? Yeah. Thanks so much. Thank you. Let's move on because he's taken social media by storm with his YouTube views, with each of his routines raking in up to 10 million views and helping viewers get fit with the click of a button. Check out The Fitness Marshal.
Caleb Marshall, also known as the Fitness Marshall, began blending his passion for pop star choreography and fitness. Shake for service! Creating unique cardio dance routines that have garnered him over 210 million views online. Dramatic buzz! The popularity of his music video style workouts. I'm all emotional and revved up. Ha! Have even led to a live show that rivals concert style production. And now those routines are hitting the road with his live tour, along with his uplifting messages. You gotta tear apart their crusty, dusty hearts. The fitness marshal has a one-of-a-kind salute to getting in shape while having fun. <laughs> Please welcome Caleb Marshall, AKA the fitness marshal and his crew to the show. Satan. 
so clean. Oh my god. Yes, yes. Oh, brush them off. Brush them with your hands. Yes, they're gone. Caleb, you rock. Thank you both for being here. We appreciate it. You can check out more of the Fitness Marshals videos or to find out how you can attend one of the live shows, head to our website. We'll be right back. Coming up. It's implantation day. Well, just got the official call that it didn't work. Then, ever come across a wacky health-related headline that makes your jaw drop and think, what the hell? That's coming up. Closed captioning provided by She has spent years in the spotlight as a chart-topping country singer, as well as an actress on shows like the hit series One Tree Hill. Yet despite all of her career highs, Jana Kramer was still battling some deep personal lows. In a doctor's exclusive, Jana opened up about how she and her husband overcame multiple devastating miscarriages. This is her story. Ever since I was a little girl, I always wanted to be a mom. So two years ago when we had our daughter Jolie, the second I had her, I just was like, she's everything, she's my absolute world. But conceiving wasn't the easiest for us. We did IVF and they ended up in miscarriage. So we were really nervous about continuing, but when Jolie was almost two years old, we started to try again. And a few months later, we got pregnant. But then at my 10 week check, the heartbeat was no longer there. I wanted to make a video. I debated even saying anything. But I think that's the problem with miscarriage because it's not talked about, but instead you're left alone. Once we kind of grieved the loss of that baby, we decided to give IVF a chance. If I'm giving myself shots in the stomach, I'm bruising up a little bit. So after the month of injections and medications, we had the procedure to implant our embryo. Implantation day. Well, just got the official call that it didn't work. That was then our fifth miscarriage in the last three years. And I just didn't want to talk to anybody and just cried out. For me at that moment, I needed to start reflecting of what the next step is. I was starting to focus really hard on my career. And then the month later was when I got pregnant. I was like, oh, I don't want to get excited because this usually doesn't happen. I was scared that I was going to lose it. When I had my 16-week ultrasound, I started crying. And then I was like, OK, like I'm, I'm really excited. Welcome Jana Kramer to the show. How are you? How are you? You look amazing. Okay, yes, you do. Thanks, thanks. Yay. <laughs> Thank you so much. I so it. happy that this journey is underway. Yeah, I know. I'm like, I'm so, um, I'm like, I keep like knocking on everything because it's like, it's still scary. Mm -hmm. You know, there's still that chance, but I mean, luckily everything right now is going well. You're feeling so. good? Yeah, I'm, I'm still nauseous, but I'm, I've been taking a medication for that at night called Bonjesta that's been helping me. And um, I just, I'm trying just to stay positive. You've been so open and so transparent with the journey to get to this point. Yeah. Why did you put that all out there? I know other women have felt this and gone through this pain, so I wanted to be able to share that I'm feeling it too and we're not alone, so. Yeah, and I think, yeah, thanks. It's hard though. It, I mean, it, yeah. is, it is so hard. Especially with like the videos. I was like, honey, is this like too much? 
But that was, he's like, no, those, those were raw emotions. People have felt that too. So mm -hmm. you and should and share it. And it's comforting. I mean, 10 to 15% of pregnancies end in miscarriage. Mm -hmm. And so to bring it out into the open, you're right. Women don't talk about it. And it's something that really people suffer in silence. So for someone like you to share your story and make other people feel comfortable right. sharing their story. It's such a huge service you Thanks. did. So thank you. I, no, I, 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 I'm like, I'm grateful that women have like. And just the storyline that you had been through IVF and it did not work, mm -hmm. but you had your first child naturally, and now this this child was conceived naturally. So it, what's interesting though is. Um, my daughter Jolie was right after a failed IVF and this baby boy is right after a failed IVF. So I don't know if like my system needs the progesterone. I don't know. Like I don't know if it just it needed my like my body needed some of that IVF like help to get mm -hmm. me going. I don't know. And that's I have no idea. I knew you had that question. Yeah, I was like, so, please answer yeah, so the doctor. So <laughs> have someone join us in our audience, double board certified reproductive endocrinologist and OBGYN Dr. Shaheen Gadir. Doc, welcome. Thank you. There you go. Do you see a scenario like Jana describes where going through IVF, not successful, you stop the IVF. Yeah. And then lo and behold, you get pregnant. Baby. Is that, is there, I, I, cause I was curious about that. I knew you had that question and is there a connection there? There actually, we see a connection. We see it in our practice as well. There are some people who for some reason or another, we are not sure why IVF is not working. Um, there are so many tests out there, and for the, everyone who's watching, going to be going down that path of IVF. I tell them, you know, when you do it, it's already such a huge burden financially. Make sure you do everything the right way, including the genetic testing, including new testing, which is called the ERA mock cycles, where we test the lining of the uterus. All of these things can really increase your chances of being pregnant. But there are still some people that we are not sure why, but the actual process of IVF, whether it's the hormones, whether it's the lighting up of the uterus and the ovaries, it kind of wakes things up. And as they are not successful maybe at that moment, during the next couple of months, their body releases that magical egg that allows them to implant. You know, you're trying to stay so positive through all this, and one of the great ways you've done that is tell us about your work with the CMA Foundation. Okay, so I, music is, my therapy. Um, obviously, I'm a singer and an actress, but for me, I have I have really bad anxiety too. And one of my ways to like talk myself out of an anxiety attack is to sing and you know be around music. And that's why I love the CMA Foundation is because you know every year I play the CMA Fest, and I can't imagine my daughter or my baby boy going to a school where there's not a music class or they don't have that um, that access. And so that's what CMA does is they you know all the money from CMA Fest goes to schools to make sure that kids have music class. And I think that's huge because it's helped me so much. So to be able to like give back and make sure that like my children are able to have that, I think is so Music important. is in your blood. Best. It is, it yeah. totally is. And again, it just like, it just calms me. Oh, look at my little baby. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I love her so much. But yeah, I'm just like, I'm just so grateful. Well, we are grateful to you for sharing your story. Wishing you nothing but the best. <laughs> Thank you, I appreciate in it. In all of your future endeavors, family and professionally. Dr. Gadeer, thanks so much for joining us today. Let's take a break. Coming up, ever come across a wacky health-related headline that makes your jaw drop and think, what the hell? Plus, the only show on TV where everyone at home has a chance to enter to win the Word of the Day giveaway. Find out what it is. That's next. 
The following program contains graphic images that may be disturbing. Parents are advised that these images may not be suitable for young children. Ever come across a wacky health-related headline that makes your jaw drop and think, what the health? I do every day. And we have a good one for you on the show. A man in the UK who uses hearing aids made a routine visit to his audiologist where both he and his doctor were stunned to find not one, not two, not three, 22 hearing aid filters lodged in his ear canal. This is the video from the doctor's otoscope of him retrieving all of the filters out of the ear. Wow. One. Yeah. Look at that. Well, well, I think it's important to point out how magnified this is yes. because when you look at how tiny these filters are, these are put on top of hearing aids to help but, filter the ear wax so it doesn't go in and disrupt the aid. But still, 22 of them, by the I mean, the, number one, the, this gentleman has, has age-related hear, hearing loss, presbycusis, which is sensory neural hearing loss that most of us get as we age. So he has a hearing problem. He wears a hearing aid, but then he's losing all of his filters, which is blocking that eardrum, just making his hearing issues that much worse. And I guess he wasn't, when he was putting the new aid in, he wasn't putting the filter on appropriately, so it would get into the ear and just fall off. And, well, you saw how talented the doc was in there, yep. pulling those out, very, very smooth. TV.com and enter smooth for your chance to win Foxy Bay's rose gold titanium plated Trace Sleek flat iron. This is valued at $179. Mm. That sounds pretty bling to me. Yeah. And you're all going home with it. Enjoy, we'll be right back. Coming up, could a furry friend help you stay heart healthy? That's in today's doctor's prescription. That's next. If you're ready to win big, join us in our studio audience. You could be part of our massive prize giveaway. So log on to our website at thedoctorstv.com or call us at area code 323-THE-DOCS. That's 323-THE-DOCS for show tickets. Come on and join us. Come on! Heart disease is the leading cause of death for men and women in the U.S., according to the CDC. But could a furry friend help you stay heart healthy? That's right. Puppies, <laughs> dogs, adopting dogs. Recent research suggests that having a dog might boost a single person's lifespan. A study in Sweden tracked more than 3.4 million people, middle-aged and older, for 12 years, all of whom were free of heart disease at the beginning of the study. The researchers reported that among folks who lived alone, those who are dog owners are 11% less likely to die of heart disease, a third less likely to die from any cause. The premise is that when you have a dog, you're, it's more social support for you. It's going to mandate more physical activity because you might be out walking that dog. But I think the most interesting thing was this was a really well done study because dog registration is actually mandated in Sweden. So they found 3.4 million people who had no history of heart disease or cardiovascular events 
They followed them over 12 years and they looked at all cause mortality, so all the reasons they could die, heart disease otherwise, and they controlled for everything else you could think of that would kind of make a difference, like your socioeconomic status, your gender, your age, and they found that, nope, just owning that dog really made all the difference. Also studies that have been shown great for better mental health, helps prevent depression. It's been shown to help kids. Kids having pets around do better. It boosts your immune system. So a lot of good reasons to get a pup. Yes. And just consider right now if, you know, whether it's you, you're single, or you and your family, and you go to that dog shelter, and you may not only save your life, you may save the life of a little puppy. These pups here are all available for adoption from Vanderpump Dogs. For more information on how you can adopt a pet, head to our website, thedoctorstv.com. I'm in love. I can't help it. Thank you all so much for being with us. We'll the see old pups time. are hanging together. So